Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Here we go though this morning. Tonight, I believe, uh, I keep going to say Pastor Fowl, uh, but I'm not sure he's ordained yet, but still, he's ordained by God, that much I know. Uh, and he's preaching tonight, I believe. And I can't even remember the title, but it was so clever that when I heard it, I go, I want to hear that. So I'm looking forward to tonight at five o'clock with Fowl, or as my phone series says, F-A-U Melipola. I say phone foul. Yeah, right. All right, this series on favour for me at any rate, this month has been quite enlightening, believe it or not. Bit of an eye-opener and incredible encouragement as well. When you've got to understand, I don't sit and plan it out according to some theology or some other thing like that. Pretty much I hear from God what this month is meant to be about. And I announce that and almost always what I announce tends to take a different direction to the one I anticipated. Many of us will have gotten the idea that God's favour looks like an effortlessly successful existence that everything you touch turns to gold. But as we have discovered in the text we've been using, which is Genesis 39, verse 20 to 22, that says, Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. It definitely did not look like an effortlessly successful existence. Everything he touched turns to gold. And so favour is not always like that. But how do you know God's favour is on your life? What are the signs of God's favour in someone's life? And you know, when I began to think about this and began to pray about it, I realised that so many of the signs of God's favour, every single one of us here this morning, you will be able to identify and say, I've got that. That's in my life. And yet right now your circumstances may absolutely not look at all like favour is there. Maybe your business right now is in a difficult place, not an easy one. Maybe family right now is not in the happiest space it's ever been. Maybe you as an individual are struggling in some area or other. But can I tell you, the signs of God's favour are not this, everything's sweet, it all looks good. Watch this, listen to this today, because I believe that you can be walking in the divine favour of Almighty God and you need to know that it's on you, that God hasn't left you. He hasn't walked away. He's not displeased. God's favour is on your life, despite what things may look like. Of course, others of you here are going to say, hey, Jeff, things are going well. Blessing is all around about. Everything I'm touching is working. I'd say, God bless you. That's awesome. But listen to this, because the day may come when things are a little different in your life. Here's number one. The signs of God's favour, these number one, God's favour looks like a calling. God's favour looks like a calling. The call of God 
is the favour of God. I remember still distinctly being in the Tara State School playground when sides were being chosen for the rugby league match. I'm in primary school, not high school. I'm the shortest, I'm the slowest. Uh, I'm the most timid, definitely. And I remember as uh, sides were being chosen by the two that everybody looked to as being the standouts in that particular uh, coterie, that particular age. And I remember being the last one picked. And I wasn't even picked by, yeah, we want you. It was like, oh, you guys. Can I say to you, that is the complete opposite of how God chose you. The Bible says He knew you by name. The Bible says He called you. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9 says this. It says, Who first saved us and then called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all His idea. Listen to this, a gift. I hear so many believers and sad to say some preachers that talk about the call of God as though it's an onerous burden that they wish they didn't have. Can I say to you this morning, the call of God to your life is the pleasure of the Father. It's the grace of God. It's His joy. He says, I want you on my team. He's called you by name. He's asked you to be a part of everything that He's doing in the earth. Your sense of purpose is God's favour in your life. It's no surprise to me at all. And it happened to me again just the last week or so as I'm speaking to new believers and they ask me questions like this. How can I know what God wants me to do? Now think about that a minute. It's not because they heard a sermon last week on you've got to do something for God. It seems to me that when someone gives their life to Christ, the Holy Spirit in them begins to witness to them that there's a reason they're on planet Earth. Seems to witness to them. And without anybody saying step two, step three, step four, they immediately start saying, I've got to do something. There's a reason I'm here. And it's almost like before they even know 2 Timothy 1.9, before they even know about the call of God, before they know about all of that stuff, somehow or other, inside of them, the Holy Spirit lets them know, actually, God called you. He never just lets you in to salvation. Salvation is not just a get out of hell free card. It's not just a ticket to heaven card, but it's actually God saying, while you are here on the planet, I've called you and chosen you to be a part of everything that I'm doing. And people ask, how do I find what God wants me to do with my life? The first sign of divine favour is that you are called. And I know most of you, if not all of you here, will have this sense of, you mightn't be able to put a label on it. You may not know what title to give it. You may not know even the name of the kind of ministry. But I'll guarantee almost all of you will have this thing of, I just know there's something I'm meant to be doing. And that doesn't just mean in church life, by the way. I think you can get called to business. And maybe what you do is out in the marketplace. You can get called into education. You can get called into the caring 
uh, ministries of doctors and nurses and healthcare workers and all that stuff. And some of you get called to administration. You go, Jeff, is there such a thing? Of course there is. The Holy Spirit is called the great administrator. So I've got no doubt that as a believer, God can put you in the place where He needs you to have. Here's the second thing. The second sign of divine favour is that favour looks like a work to do. It's not just being called, well, I'm called. Well, whoopee. It's being called to a God-given task. And a God-given task is a God-given honour because it's a sign of His trust. When I was preparing this message, I started thinking of all the, all the wrong perspectives that I'm aware some believers have. Well, yeah, I've got to do that. Here I go again. I'm off to do this. I'm off to be an usher. I'm off to help in kids' church. Oh, I'm off to do this. I'm doing this. And sometimes people can talk about serving God as though somehow or other, you know, you got the short straw. But the reality is that a God-given task is a God-given honour because it's a sign of His trust. Listen to me, if He's called you to serve Him in an area, He trusts you to represent Him in that area. That is like gigonomously awesome. It really is. Think about it. Think about all the stuff that God's raised up through the life of this church. All the people that have been blessed. We're just talking about red frogs and I could go to hope and the ministry to people that are broken and need right around about us right now. I could go to kids' church and talk about the next generation being raised up and all those areas. But I hope you get this. God trusts you with that. That's huge. When God created the world, He made it perfect. Everything worked exactly right. And then He says this to the pinnacle of His creation to man in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 24. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He said, take rulership. And He trusted them with His perfection. Even though we all know that they weren't perfect. They were perfectly innocent, but they weren't morally perfect because moral perfection requires the rejection of temptation. Morally innocent is what young Oliver is, born without any sense of naughtiness, just a baby. But as he grows, temptation comes and as he grows, the opportunity comes to obey or disobey and mankind did that. And yet still God knowing all that, he still trusted mankind, said, this is your job. Your job, whatever it is, however you serve, understand it's a sign of God's favour. It's a sign of His trust that's put you there. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, this is how the Apostle Paul explained it. He said, but whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out His special favour on me. And not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. So it's not like, you know, God's favour means you don't have to do anything. He said, I actually worked hard, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by His grace. Please, can I say to you, never lose sight of the privilege of serving God. Never lose sight 
of the joy of being entrusted by Almighty God with something so precious as the lives of people that He's put on the planet, that you and I get an opportunity to be able to stand in the gap, no matter what that ministry is. You know, we may not always feel just soft and lovely in the hallelujah chorus playing in the background. That may not be your experience. But understand this, we will work. Amen. Come on, Metro Church, we will work. We will work. We will serve. We will not resolve them. We won't leave it to a few. We will continue to step up. We'll continue to say God's called us and a sign of His favour is He called us and then He gave us a job to do. Here's number three. Favour looks like strength to complete. Lots of people start things. Perfect. Heaps deep. Watch this video. I saw it on a plane a couple of years ago flying, I think, to Hong Kong. Let's have a look. Welcome to the Museum of Procrastination. This is where we honour good intentions that never fully materialised. Follow me, please. Ellie. The gym membership section. To be precise, the memberships that were used once and then spent the rest of their lives in wallets. This one I find particularly moving. The unfinished novels. What a waste of talent. A moment of silence, please. Thank you. Musical instruments that have only played Vera Jacca. This way. Millions of ideas, inventions, eureka moments. Some could revolutionize the way we live our lives. More pure oranges. That's the end. But it tells you something, doesn't it, about all of us, that we are really great at starting stuff. We're just not so good at finishing. But God, on the other hand, has never begun anything He doesn't finish. Think about that. I can't say that about my life. I'm sure you can't either. But Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That whatever God started, He intends to finish in your life and mine. God's a finisher and divine favour looks like strength to complete. There is something supernatural. There is no other way to explain the impetus of the Holy Spirit that comes in the inside when you can look out and go, it's too hard, it's too far, I can't. You look at yourself and something inside of you says, oh yes, you can. Oh yes, you can. And the Holy Spirit leads you on. I think it's gotta be one of the greatest joys. Why? Because it's a sign of divine favour. Listen to me. Divine favour doesn't always look like everything's successful. It looks like you continuing. It looks like you continuing despite. It looks like you continuing to move forward in Jesus' Name. Here's the fourth one. If you want to see what the signs of divine favour are, well, it looks like a calling, looks like a work to do, looks like strength to complete. And fourthly, favour looks like community. Favour is about the right people around about you. The book of Psalms begins speaking about who you surround yourself with. 
Psalm 1, blessed is the man or the woman that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, nor stands in the way of sinners, I think it says, and, and speaks like that. And can you imagine out of 150 Psalms and all that God could start with, He doesn't start with His glory, He starts with who you surround yourself with. There are 31 chapters of Proverbs, the first nine of them, one third of the whole book of wisdom is about who you make your friends. One third of the book of wisdom. That sounds to me like one third of wisdom is who am I letting input into my life? First Corinthians 15 says, evil company corrupts good habits. And so Joseph gets himself into a place. He didn't ask for it, but I see this man looking for the right people around about his life. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisons were confined and he's there in the prison. He gets into a place and he immediately starts looking for who are the right people? Who are the people I'm meant to influence? It's not always about who can help me, by the way. So many people get into a place and start saying, well, who's going to be my friend rather than who can I be a friend to? They get into a new workplace and go, well, who's going to do this for me? Who's, who's the key influencer rather than becoming a key influencer wherever they are? Divine favour looks like community. Here's the last one. Fifth one here is that favour looks like the right time. Now, I don't know if you can read my beautiful writing up here on the board because one of my other skills, of course, is as a graphic designer. Yes, you're permitted to laugh at that point. Uh, but if those of you who can't see it, we're going to work backwards. This is the story of Joseph. This is his timeline. Joseph over here becomes Prime Minister of all of Egypt, rules and brings his family down. They grow from 70 people to 3 million. Because one man waited for the right time. One man waited until God's time and ended up great. So here's seven years of famine. This is where Joseph comes into his own. And he, he administrates and leads the nation in such an amazing way that the entire wealth of the nation gets transferred into Pharaoh's house and into his family. It's preceded by seven years of plenty. That is preceded by the dream that Pharaoh has and that none of his soothsayers and his magic arts people can explain or interpret. So that is preceded by two years in an Egyptian jail where Joseph is completely forgotten and nobody even knows he's there apart from God. His parents don't know. His brothers don't know. Uh, Pharaoh has no idea who he's got sitting in his jail. Two years have gone. That is preceded by two servants that one day appear in jail, the king's cupbearer and the king's baker. And no surprise, they have a dream. Why is it important that they have a dream? Because it's as Joseph interprets their dreams that two years later, one of them is going to remember somebody knew the explanation of my dream. This guy might help you, O Pharaoh. I'm going backwards. So the king's servants here, one dies, one gets restored, but he forgets him. That is preceded by Joseph, we don't know how long, sitting in a jail. And he's there, not because he was guilty, he was innocent, but he was accused and because he was a slave in Potiphar's house, 
He simply is tossed into jail and there's no appeal process. There's nothing like it. So going backwards, I want you to see the importance of the right time. Because if Joseph gets out of jail here, if Potiphar's wife confesses to Potiphar one day and says, look, you know what? I made that entire story up. Joseph is actually innocent and we have not been able to find a replacement for him in our home because he's in charge of all of Potiphar's business. We haven't been able to find somebody. So how about, listen, I, I made a mistake. Can we get him back? He gets out of there, guess what? The timeline reverses and he goes back to Potiphar's house. There to spend his days as a slave. If he gets out here, at the king's servants. Again, one step further on, the king's cupbearer and the king's baker and the king's cupbearer gets out and instead of forgetting him, remembers him and says to Pharaoh, you won't believe it, Pharaoh, I'm in jail and this guy, this Hebrew interpreted uh, our dreams. He gets out of jail, right? But guess where he goes again? Everything goes in reverse. Listen to me. If you don't get the right time, destiny goes into reverse. It'll always take you longer. There are no shortcuts in destiny. The, the longest distance between two points is a shortcut. Huh? And if it gets out here, he just goes back to jail. Why does two years are forgotten? Where everybody's saying, God's forgotten you. What a mistake you made. Are you an idiot? Why aren't you panicking? If he gets out there, anytime nothing again happens. Why? Pharaoh's got to have a dream. But Pharaoh can't have the dream 15 years before. Pharaoh's got to have the dream just before seven years of plenty and seven years. There was a supernatural season of seven years of blessing followed supernaturally by seven years of unbelievable drought. And Joseph's got to get out right there. Right there. The right time is the best time. And the best time is the right time in your life. Supernatural favour doesn't look like an easy life. He's forgotten in jail for two years. How many prayers do you think Joseph prayed while he was in there saying, oh God, have you forgotten my address? Do you even know I'm here? What about all that stuff, that dream you gave me back home with Dad when he gave me the Technicolor dream code? What about all the stuff, the dream you gave me that my family would bow down to me and now I'm forgotten? How many times do you think he asked God about it in here? But here's the deal. He stayed faithful in the forgotten times because he knew that there was going to come a fulfilment time. I'll say that again. He stayed faithful in the forgotten times because he knew that there'd come a fulfilment time. Make sure you stay in the right place. Are you a young mum here? And you think to yourself, God, what am I doing? All I'm doing is dirty nappies and snotty noses and that's not even your kids, that's someone else's. Uh, that was a joke there, a bit of lightheartedness. Listen, don't worry about the forgotten years. Maybe you applied for that job and you never got it. And maybe you think, God, what are you doing in my life? Can, can I say to you, if you'll stay faithful in the forgotten times, He'll make sure that you arrive at the fulfilment time and you'll be there in the right place at the right time because divine favour looks like the right time. I was thinking about this and obviously 
How do you get divine favour in your life? Some people will tell you you've got to fast and pray and you've got to cry out to God and you've got to pray a whole lot of prayers and it's all got to be powerful. Oh, I don't actually think that's true. I know that Paul got divine favour because he said one three-letter word. He said yes. I gave some advice to some people this a week or so ago who said, how do I know the will of God? How can I find out what I'm on the planet for? I said this, say yes to God a lot. Say yes a lot. Tell God often, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll just say yes to whatever your will is for my life. I promise you that if you will say yes to God, God will make sure that divine favour is around about you. It won't always look easy, but it'll have all the right signs. There'll be calling and vision in your life. There'll be work for you to do. There'll be the right community. There will be strength to complete. And you will arrive at the right time because God's favour is on you in Jesus' Name. Amen. I've asked Jeremy and Natalia to come and sing for us a song they sang, I don't know, a year or so ago. So impacted so many of us. It's the song called So Will I. And I asked them to sing this song for you, not out of nostalgia because they're going, but because I think it says everything about divine favour. It says this, I will say, so will I. Listen to them and I'll be back in a minute. Thank you.
Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Natalia. Thank you, team. The one who never leaves the one behind. What a joy that Jesus is and that He welcomes us. Let's have every head bowed for a minute, every eye closed. You're here this morning and you say, Jeff, I'm not walking with God. I know there are people here today, I don't know who you are, but I know you've walked away from God and today you want to say, so will I. I'll come back to you, Lord. I'm going to walk with you. Maybe you're here this morning or watching via the podcast or listening there. and You know in your heart you need to say yes to Jesus Christ. It's the only thing you can give Him. He's not after your talent. He's not after your resources. He's after your yes. Yes. Yes is the one word that precipitates an encounter with Christ. Lives get changed because of a yes. Sins are forgiven because of a yes. Heaven becomes a destiny because of a yes. And I want to pray with people right now, right where you are, who want to say, yes, Lord. Yes, I'm going to follow you. If that's you, just wherever you are right now, I know people are watching, people are listening via the podcast, etc. But if you're in front of me right now and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to say yes to Jesus this morning. I need an encounter with Christ that'll change my life. I want to say yes to Him. Would you just slip your hand up, put it back down again. I'm going to pray with you wherever you are and just believe God. Thank you. God bless you. Who else just wherever you are? Thank you. I see you. Who else just wherever you are? You say, that's me today. I'm going to say yes to Christ. And as I say yes to Him, He's waiting for my yes to invade in such a magnificent way. Is there anybody else before we pray? Again, I know there'll be people saying yes that are watching and listening. But here right now in this place, if that's you, and I haven't seen you yet, just slip it up so I can see your hand. I want to pray with you. 
then we're going to pray together. And for those that are watching as well, this prayer, you can pray along with us and make this prayer yours because it's the prayer that simply says yes to Jesus. Would you say this to Him after me? Lord Jesus, I need You in my life. I need Your forgiveness. I want You to save me. I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ. Thank You, Lord. Amen. You don't need to pray this, but Father, I pray for everyone that's lifted their hand or everybody that's praying it right now or even the people that are going to text yes. They'll come in during the week and they'll be saying yes to You. Father, I pray for those people. Oh God, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful life You have for each one of us. How incredible that the God of the universe comes and lives in us. We thank You for it. We pray for these people, Lord. We will do all we can to help them and to encourage them so they can walk with You for the rest of their life. We thank You, Lord. This today has been their right time to say yes to You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Give those people a great big hand, won't you? Make it a good one. Give them a great hand. By the way, uh, if you raised your hand, maybe you don't have a Bible, maybe you don't know other Christians, whatever, go visit our Connect Hub that's out there in the cafe area and uh, they'll have a free Bible for you. And there's people that would love to chat with you if you need to talk about anything. One of the things I recommend to everybody is that they text yes, whether you raised your hand or not, to 488 Tomorrow morning at 7am or the day after you do it, in uh, West Australian time at any rate, you'll get a scripture along with a short prayer. If it's on one screen of your smartphone, you get that every day for 30 days or until you opt out. And uh, hundreds of people have done this. And what a wonderful thing. I've had so many of them say to me that every morning was like God was speaking to them personally. And so we'd love you to do that and follow that through. 0488 Let's give those people another big hand. We love people saying yes to Jesus.